0: Listen, I want to be really honest with you guys because that's what we always do. We are recapping old episodes, as you know, and we've been really spoiled because the first two episodes of season two and pretty much all of the episodes of season one were top of the line, 10 out of 10, so much to say. And we watched this one and we were honestly like, you know what? There's not that much here. So, I just want to put that out there, not to lower expectations, but just to say, we're not going to do this one in the exact same way. We'll go through scene by scene, but it's just, I, I don't know, not everyone can be amazing. There's sometimes there's just not so much to say. And so in an effort to not sound like an English teacher who wants to expand on points that just aren't there to make, we don't want to do that. Julie, is that an accurate, uh, is that an accurate depiction of the anxiety we had about 20 minutes ago when we recorded the first half of the episode and we're like, no fucking way are we putting this out?
1: Yeah, that is 20 minutes ago. Currently will continue throughout this episode. Absolutely best way to describe it. It's not so much about lowering your guys' expectations. It's about (laughs) managing
0: expectations. (laughs) I mean, we will do our best, but we're working with limited content here, you know, we have, which I think is a challenge. It's okay. I'm up for it, but I don't want you to expect that this is, we're going to get the same dynamics. Like that's just not happening here. So we'll get through it and we'll see how it goes. And, you know, we inserted obviously other anecdotes. We'll try to have some impactful conversations, but sometimes there's not a whole bunch to say and that's okay. Right. And when you think about it, that's not our fault. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone's blaming us. They they recognize what we're working with here. I just, I wanna, I guess if, if this is your first time listening to the Kardashian bonus show, it's not always like this. If this is your first, like, let's check out what this podcast is all about episode, I would just go to another
1: episode kind of get your bearings about what we usually do and then come back to this one if you feel so inclined.
0: <laughs> we, you guys don't understand. We, we got, I don't know, we got in like maybe 25 or so minutes and Julie's in the middle of making a point and I just stopped her and I was like, what are we doing? She's like, I don't know, I don't know. We can't do this, I'm freaking out. We're like, what are we supposed to do? So I don't know, we're just gonna try this again. Let's see how it goes. Are you ready? Yeah, I, I'm nothing but ready, I guess. <laughs> We are as ready as we'll ever be, and I like that everybody's on this ride with us. Yeah, me too. Listen, not everyone can be top of the line, and that's okay. You're right, Em. You are correct. (laughs) Okay, I'm glad we got that out. So we start at Dash, where all good episodes start, and (laughs) except for this one, (laughs) and (laughs) Chloe (laughs) and chloe is helping a customer with jeans and the only thing here that was going through my mind was just it's so funny to imagine that was a real person like there is probably somewhere on tiktok someone who is that customer that was on season two of keeping up with the kardashians and chloe kardashian is their saleswoman and they're making a green screen tiktok video being like hey remember that person that's me that is so weird that chloe is just some you know working in a store like no problem, I'll get you this pair of jeans. It's it's so mind-boggling. Yeah, it is really weird. It is weird. I actually didn't think about
1: it, how weird it was to watch them like show up to the store every day and like work.
0: Yeah, and, and again, it's not, they obviously work very hard now, and it, but it's just in such a different way. It's kind of like, you wouldn't think you're going to your local Nordstrom and there's Khloe Kardashian like, oh, can I get you a fitting room? My question about
1: Dash in the old days, because I obviously don't remember what it was like in 2008. I only remember what it was like when I like went in the city when I was a little bit older. Did the pricing change or was it always like ridiculously
0: expensive? I, I can't say this with full confidence, but I do think that it got increasingly more expensive as they became more famous and as be, as it became more of a thing to go there. And the reason I say that is because I will never forget being in Soho one time when they had that location and I was with my friend, Julia, and there was like a group of girls next to us and they were making that exact same comment. And she was like, it was not like this when I was in Miami.
1: Right. So I went
0: into the one in Soho too, and the guy hated me because I went up to him. I was like, come on, just tell me. They're in the
1: back. And he was like, no. I'm like, he's like, you can see into the back. There's no one there. I was like, come on, where are you hiding them? And he was like, can you leave? Like, I was like, so annoyed with him. And I was like, much older. I just wanted to fuck with the guy. And I was like, come on, Kim's here. Kim's here. And he's like, please stop talking to me.
0: Oh, mine was, I had the exact same experience, but not at all was it an effort to fuck with them. I genuinely believe there was a part of me that was like, I know Kim's back there. I know that she's going, you know, what was Kim doing? Like running skews in the back room? What? I I felt that way. There was a part of me that thought that
1: they were there and they were hiding it from me, but I was like, definitely like being annoying and fucking with the guy. But like, there was a part of me that thought that Kim was just like in the back on a computer deciding like what their next order was going to be. As if like that was logical at the time that I went.
0: Right, exactly. And you have to remember that at the time that this episode is filmed, which is our release, which is March, 2008, people are going to dash if they are going there for the clothes. They're not going there to interact with the Kardashians, which clearly there was a huge shift, which is I think why eventually they had to let the store go. One, they didn't want the responsibility, but two, it just wasn't worth, I think for people also, it wasn't doing the kind of business they needed it to do for it to be sustainable.
1: It was also like, I remember
0: it being such a letdown when I went. Such. But, but that's kind of what I'm saying because in these days, you can see specifically in this episode how really involved they are, really Chloe. You know, they are making every call for every item of clothing and, and they have their signature touch on it. Whether or not you like it, there was a lot of passion there. And as they grew, they just couldn't give it that same dedication and it was very evident in the clothes. So yeah. just something to think about. Yeah. Clearly Dash is no more, but always fun to see these earlier ones. Yeah, so, Yeah, so Chloe's in her confessional and she's basically saying, you know, I love the store. I'm so passionate about it, but sometimes it does get boring. Kim's role at Dash was to be there with me every day and help me out. But Kim's doing photo shoots and lounging around and traveling from here to there, You know, doing really exciting things. And I would love to be doing that. I would love to just do something creative. And she's there with Courtney and she's telling Courtney that she has friends who've gone to an acting class. And Courtney's kind of surprised asking her, is that something you want to do? And Chloe almost takes it as, you know, you think I would be bad. And Courtney says, no, I think you would be so good. I've just never heard you say that before. And this sets us up for the plot line, which is one of the two plot lines of this episode of Chloe getting increasingly frustrated with Kim's lack of attention to the store and also increasingly frustrated by feeling like she is in this little bubble and she's really, her creative energy is being suppressed and she wants to do things. She's not sure what that means, but she wants to be a little bit more out in the spotlight, which... And I know you and I have spoken about this before. Earlier on, it was the Kim show. In not in terms of their camera time, but in terms of their fame. And I think Chloe now is starting to view that in a little bit more of an aspirational way versus previously she was making fun of Kim and now she gets it. Right.
1: Well, I think Chloe also feels like, you know, if Kim can do all of the stuff that you don't actually need any real talent for, which is like the case very early on, it was definitely the case. Chloe's like, why the fuck can't I? Why should I be stuck in this store like helping people pick out jeans and getting them different sizes when I could be out doing something that's like creative and that I want to do also?
0: Right. And it also shows, which we'll get into the difference in their skill sets. Like Kim is just not one to go to an acting class. That's not her vibe. Whereas Chloe's all for it. So interesting. Yeah. So the next scene kind of introduces us to the second plot line, which is Chris's increasing upset with the way that Caitlyn dresses and really wanting to do an entire overhaul on Caitlyn's closet, which I want to just point this out, you know, from the jump, just so that we aren't at all confused here. There are definitely moments in this episode that are very uncomfortable, which you will know what I'm talking about when we get there. And I guess I want to just say, it's not that it's an excuse by any means, but I do think Caitlin here was a very different person and I don't mean that. I mean that with in terms of the way that she spoke about social issues and her beliefs, or at least what she said to the public. And it's very evident here. And so, and I, but I just want to, people can change, and I think that she has. And so I want to just put that out there because there were definitely moments watching this where I'm like, Ooh, wow, there is a lot of homophobia going on here, and this is not acceptable. So Caitlin walks in. She's wearing a jean shirt, khakis, moccasins, and Chris is just not having it. And Chris is really, Kind of embarrassed by her outfits, which i I remember, which I'm sure we'll get into this in later seasons when Chris is upset that Caitlin's hair is too long and she takes her to get a cut. And later, Caitlin speaks about, you know, years later, I think it was maybe in her Diane Sawyer interview about how painful that experience was because uh, you know, her hair was so much more than just hair and growing it out was so part of her identity, et cetera. And Chris obviously didn't know that or wasn't sensitive to that. But in this episode, it was almost the opposite in a way of what was going on here.
1: Well, I can imagine, first of all, I can imagine that not being able to dress the way you want to dress and in the clothes that, you know, feel match your identity could be very like such a turn off in general That like, why should I care about what I'm putting on my body when it's not even what I want to wear in general? Um so I think that definitely came into play here. I have to imagine I can't speak for Caitlin herself or what she was thinking at the time, but I think that's the way it kind of comes off in my mind. And I think also the really important thing to keep in mind that I was thinking about when we were watching it is that like, I could imagine people watching this and saying something along the lines of like, well, she didn't even care about how she looked. Like, isn't that so weird in retrospect? But I think that we all have to remember that like, Identifying as female and being female doesn't necessarily mean that you have to care about clothes and fashion.
0: Ex- beautiful point, Julian. I'm glad that you brought it up early on. It's. I really do think it's important because that, that I think just further. Would well, it can it absolutely can, but it just further feeds into the the stereotypes and like this gender binary that doesn't right. exist, or that right. should not exist. Yeah, completely, completely. I also think, but I. But, you know, it's it's interesting that you made that previous point because I was thinking the same thing. And again, like I have absolutely no idea what Kate what was going through Caitlyn's mind. She's never been interviewed about this exact episode. I'm not neither of us are trying to put words in her mouth. But I was having that same thought of like maybe she was thinking, you know, this is not what I want to be wearing in general. I don't want to be wearing anything of this sort. So like at this point, who gives a shit? I don't know if that was the case, but I could have seen it.
1: Yeah. And also I think that in terms of the way like quote, dads are supposed to dress, when you're trying so hard to like cover up a piece of you that you think you have to act and dress a certain way to cover up that side of you. Then like maybe acting like you don't care about clothes or acting like you're just going to, you know, pick what's on the top of the pile. Like all dads do is what Caitlin thought she had to think like at the time versus now when she knows that like, she can be open about what she wants to wear and how she wants to dress. And she doesn't have to hide that side of her when you're so like conscious about hiding and, you know, not hinting at anything that can make people believe that you think a certain way or are a certain way or believe a certain way, like that stuff tends to get buried and you act the way you think you're supposed to act.
0: Totally. And again, I think both of us, we are completely hypothesizing here. I have no idea what was actually going on, but I, that second point that you just made about, um, almost like overcompensating in a way is something that I have heard when I've, when I have, um, read trans people's interviews. I have definitely heard that being a trend. Again, I'm sure that is not the case for everyone, but it could, it's totally potential to potentially possible. And if I had Caitlin in a room, I think something that would be so interesting, unless it, unless it was at all triggering for her, but she has been really open is to like, maybe reminisce on some of these episodes and ask if she could go back to that thought process. And it may be too difficult. Absolutely. I have no idea, but I wonder if she ever has done that. Yeah. Uh, you know? That is
1: really interesting. Yeah.
0: Anyway, so Chris kind of presents the fact, like, we are bringing in a stylist, Caitlin doesn't want it, and Chris is like, it's not optional, he's coming over. So the stylist comes, his name's Eric Archibald, and he's a celebrity stylist, and in her confessional, I just mentioned this because I think it's funny, Chris is like, Eric has dressed people like JLo lo and Puffy, and he's a really big deal in the stylist world. Again, the only reason I mention that is because Chris is clearly using those names in order to prove his credibility to the audience and saying, like, he's a big shot, he dresses them, he's going to dress us, whereas... Now, number one, JLo and Diddy are her friends. They're coming to her Christmas Eve party. But also, if you want to, you know, she could easily just say, if she wanted to prove someone's ethos now, she could easily say, yeah, you know, he styled Kim. Because that's a huge fucking deal to style Kim Kardashian for the cover of a magazine. So it's just so crazy how her idea of celebrity, she was using those as the prime example, which they are. I mean, JLo and Diddy are two of the most famous people ever, specifically at the time. But I really loved watching the progression of Chris Jenner, kind of. I
1: love the the whole idea of like um confirming someone's cre- credentials by like comparing them to like dressing your own family. <laughs> like I feel like that's the most aspirational thing you do, like, oh, they're really good. They dressed us. And it's like, oh shit.
0: Right. That's so true. Cause at the time, I mean, still, anybody who dresses JLo and Diddy, they're top of the line. But you would have never said now you could be like, oh yeah, you know, he he styled Kendall Jenner for her for her Vogue shoot everybody's like, oh shit, he's the real deal. Like saying somebody styled Kim
1: in 2008 carries a significantly different weight than if Chris was like, yeah, no, they styled Kim for this. And everyone would be like, oh. Back then it would have been like, okay, that's not proving anything. All that proves is that you hired somebody to style Kim.
0: Or even if Chris was like, yeah, you know, they actually styled our family for the Met Gala. Yeah, right. And I don't mean the actual designer. I'm just like, that's, I don't know. those, Those are, that's crazy. It is crazy just because I feel like you guys are as curious as we are, anytime we see a character like this on the show, we do a little bit of research. One, to figure out if they are actually their profession, aka the nutritionist and the stylist, or if they're like the babysitter, which was not a babysitter and was an actress. But we did some some checking, and Eric now has a line called Diplomacy at Macy's, according to his Insta. He has about 14,000 followers on his personal Insta, and his stylist one, Eric Archibald's stylist, has almost 29,000, so... He's still doing it. Good for him. Love to see it. I'm glad this trajectory of his career continued. I think we hold the babysitter to an unfair standard. <laughs> yeah, you, you have, have so, so much to say really
1: about you me. hire a professional babysitter? Like they were going to have somebody come in and be like, "Yeah, I've babysat all of these celebrity kids. Here's my list of credentials." Like, yeah. She was certainly not even a little bit a babysitter, but for what her role on the show was, I actually do think she was a professional in that area.
0: Well, it was so funny because when you look, if you're just watching and you don't know what's going on, you're like, wow, they really hired a babysitter that wants to, because the whole plotline of that was like, she's being too sexy. She's taking off her top in front of in front of Caitlin, et cetera. And later she does the interview and she's like, you yeah, know, I'm a, I'm a porn star. Like that, that was nothing for me. And we're like, oh, so they really played into the part. So maybe it's actually credit to the producers for really going for it.
1: Maybe she just had like a, like maybe she was a porn star who had just like a lot of experience in babysitting dad fantasies. She would have been Julie, an amazing that is, professional
0: if that was her role in both areas of her life. In both of her first of all, jobs. First of all, that's profound. And she said, I mean, she said that she's done a lot of different her, her versatility of scenes was extensive. So hey, you never know. Interesting thought. I, that's why I keep you around, I gotta tell you. You're always thinking. Is that
1: thinking. why? I am yes, always that's-
0: thinking." <laughs> So Chris introduces Eric to Caitlin and Caitlin's in this flannel, you know, and, and Caitlin's like, I, I like this shirt. Cause Eric's like, okay, let's just start here. You know, where, where'd you get this uh, flannel? And, and Caitlin's like, I like the shirt. And Eric's like, you know, I can't really seem to get past it. And Caitlin's like the shoes and the shirt match. See, it was like a red and white flannel and the shoes were also red and white, just t- typical kind of dad shoes. And in her confessional, you know, Chris is basically saying like, I don't know how Caitlin would react to having anybody dress her but then on top of it having, this fa- quote, having this fabulous gay guy dress her which just keep that in the back of your mind as we get through the rest of the scene. And so, Eric's taking Caitlin's measurements and Eric's like, "You have really long arms. That's sort of sexy. Are you relaxed?" Caitlin's like, "I think so." And Eric tells Caitlin that he needs to do the inseam of her pants. And and Caitlin's kind of uncomfortable and she's like, "Okay." And Eric's like, "I don't mind going down." Caitlin's like, "How about those Lakers, Eric?" And while this is all happening, Courtney, Kim, and Chloe come in. And Chloe's like, why are you so stiff? Calm down. You need to shop before you do this. You really need to calm down. And basically, Eric and Caitlin are about to embark on the shopping trip. And Caitlin grabs Chris, brings her into the other room. And she's like, this is ridiculous. I'm not going with this guy. Chris is like, you know, we love to shop. You'll have a great time. Caitlin's like, how can I say this? Uh, I don't want to dress too fluffy. And I think this guy probably would be a little bit on the fluffy side. And Chris is like, give it a chance. He's really nice. And in her confessional, Caitlin says, Eric seems like a nice enough guy, but I don't think we're going to be playing golf together. And they leave and Chris is like, you know, tells Eric, don't worry. Caitlin's just a little uptight. She'll loosen up, et cetera. Okay. Clearly here you can see just in the entirety of the scene, Caitlin's number one, visible discomfort. And number two, really lack of, uh, really just stigmatizing. Is that is that fair? Like, definitely, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Like, um, I, I yeah. want to choose. My, I, I'm trying to choose my words carefully because I don't want, the last thing I'm trying to do is bash Caitlin. I recognize we're in 2008. I recognize there was probably a lot of stuff going on internally, but I also think it's not fair to talk about this episode and then not acknowledge how clearly not okay some of the comments and the facial expressions and the, you know, the inability to assume that a gay guy can go down on... A g- I didn't mean go down, go down in terms of getting an inseam on a straight guy like not having their mind go somewhere. Like as if that can't exist, which is like clearly isn't the case. And you could just see that there was, it was just not, there was a lot of shit going on there.
1: Also like kind of cocky, Caitlin, like relax.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I know. I I just, just keep all of that in the back of your mind as we continue to, to go on. Right. Yeah. I think that,
1: I think with these episodes, it's always important to have like sort of a lens on of like what the what time this was being filmed and what the family was like then, because it is different. Their values are different and the way they think is different. All of them, not just Caitlin. Um, But I think this episode, it's especially important to just kind of think of the bigger picture and also understand that like. It's okay that the comments that Caitlyn made and the things that she said during this episode aren't okay and that still stands today. Not in the sense that like she still 100% thinks that way or she still definitely thinks that way like it is a 100% okay to be angry about the way Caitlyn acts in this episode and also accept her as a trans woman. Those two things can absolutely coexist.
0: No, totally. I think it's just for just for context so we put in some some quotes because Caitlyn publicly came out as a trans woman April 2015 and In September of that year, she was on Ellen, and I want to just read this uh, interaction because I think that it's interesting. So Ellen points out that Caitlyn is a Republican, and Caitlyn asks if that's a bad thing, and Ellen says, well, you know, most Republicans would probably vote against legislation that Caitlyn, as a trans woman, would want to support, and Caitlyn says, I would agree with that in some cases, like, uh," and Ellen goes, like, gay marriage. And Caitlin goes, quote, I have to admit that I remember 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when the issue of gay marriage first came up, I was not for it. I mean, I'm a traditionalist. I kind of like tradition and it's always been a man and a woman, but I think as time has gone on, a lot of people on this issue have really changed their thinking here to, I don't ever want to stand in front of anyone's happiness. That's not my job. If that word marriage is really that important to you, I can go with it. And Ellen says, it's funny because you're still a little bit not on board with it. And Caitlin says, no, I'm on board. It's going to be the law of the land. So I'm okay with that. I don't want to stand in front of somebody's happiness. I do think that it's important to acknowledge the response to that interview or to that part of the interview at the time, which was exactly what kind of Ellen said. What she was saying was exactly accurate of like, okay, you're not really fully there. Like, just admit it. You're not really fully okay with gay marriage. You you know, the way that Caitlin was talking about it, she was still flaunting this like, okay, if the title marriage is important to you, I'll be fine with it. Not coming from the place of like, this should have always been a right. Does, does that make sense? Yes. I mean, listen. I think that this epi- this
1: interview specifically, was like very jarring to a lot of people that saw it because here you are sitting as out as a proud trans woman, and you still don't understand the fact that marriage isn't just a term. Like, it is about equality. Is it? Is it about like? If somebody can do something, so should gay people, they should be able to get married, whatever. And I, it it was 2015, like that should have been, you know, if you're sitting there as a proud trans woman who obviously had so many hurdles to go through to be able to sit there, then your understanding of equality and the way people should be treated and the understanding of like what you consider to be semantics, how important that is to other people. And for you to sit there and kind of downplay that was like very very startling for most people i think and it was very confusing and i think that a lot of people probably still haven't gotten past that because of the way it came out and also it's not just about like okay if the word marriage is so important to you like first of all of course the it's not just the word it's the entire idea of marriage and equality but also like the position on gay marriage for especially for you caitlin shouldn't just be like well if it makes you happy like it is so much deeper than that.
0: Absolutely agree with everything you said. And also, I remember at the time when this interview came out, the number one thing that I saw from the trans community that was, you know, that were infuriated by this were saying, like, how can you say that be- and not associate it with the same exact thing of someone saying to you, like, okay, you wanna be called a woman? Fine. Like, trans women are women. Let me say right. it one more time to the people in the back trans women are women. And so it's just, it was so unbelievably hypocritical for, for her to, um, downplay the importance of that quote word, which is so much more than a word yet then stand so strongly on her, on her own side, which that was, that's equally as important and should not be, should not be downplayed or discounted, but you can't pick and choose when you're, what, when you're, what, what activism part of the LGBTQ plus community you're going to stand for. And people were really turned off by it. And again, since then, I think she has made a lot of comments that show her the progression in her beliefs, but, um, That I remember that very vividly. There was outrage, and understandably so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's a lot with Caitlin where it's like, you know, just because somebody, you know, I'm trying to think of how I want to word this. Just because somebody is you know, able to live their truth and live who they are, if they've had a certain thought process their whole life, it doesn't just mean that that switch gets turned off just because of who they are now or who they're finally able to be. And I think that that was something that Caitlin really, I don't want to say struggles because I think that comes off as excusable, which I don't really find it to be. But I think that unpacking your own bias, that's probably the best way to get to put it, unpacking your own bias and being able to live who you are and live your truth and live as a woman because you are a woman, you then also have to say like, okay, what else am I internalizing or what are my other thought processes that are damaging to not only myself, but to the entire community? And I think that was something that Caitlin struggled a lot with.
0: Yeah, and I think totally, totally agree. And I think, and again, I really feel like I can't, I can't speak to this from personal experience. I'm really more so speaking on, I so I just remember both of us actually read so much. We were sending each other articles of and, and like testimonials of um, people in the trans community's reactions to this interview. And I remember that what a lot of people were saying is like it's normal to have a sense of anger in the beginning and not understanding and and kind of like lashing out at the community as a result. that's that's understandable. However, most people are not in the position of Caitlyn Jenner. Most people do not have the following Caitlyn Jenner has. Most people are not coming on the Ellen show, an openly gay woman who almost lost her career for being gay. And then wanting to be celebrated for being trans yet also not fully supporting um, gay rights. And that was what was so upsetting. It's like, it's everybody, a lot of people go through these internal battles, but they are not then broadcasted in this way. And I think that that was, it almost gave legitimacy to the argument that like gay marriage isn't as important. And I think that is where so much of the anger came from, at least from what I remember reading. Did did that, did I like explain that in a way that made sense or not really? Yes. I think the
1: best way to put that is that a lot of people who don't support certain things and don't support certain rights across the board in a lot of different communities and a lot of different issues will tokenize people who identify a certain way, but don't have, but whose identity doesn't always match up with their beliefs or the beliefs of the community and tokenize them in order to say like, see, this person is trans, but doesn't necessarily believe in gay marriage. And it's like, that is what a major issue in a lot of communities is with people saying like, okay, this person is this, but doesn't believe in this. So we all don't have to. No, it's just that one person's belief and it does not represent the entire community and don't use what they are to put words or justify your own beliefs. That's what the, that's what I think came across in the Ellen interview. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for sure. Also, we're going to move on to the next scene, but we we have pulled some other quotes um, just about Caitlin, you know, speaking more so about dressing as a woman for the first time and just that journey, which I think, well, I want to supplement a little bit later on, but don't think that we're not going to get to that. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over-the-counter allergy spray and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid-free allergy spray. And AstroPro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with AstroPro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astropro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com, AstroPro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Next scene, they're at Dash and Kim's kind of just showing off the new watch she bought herself and Malika comes on the screen and this, I think, was Malika's first Keeping Up appearance and, you know, they're just all talking and I think that what was so interesting is that when Malika comes on, it says, Malika, and the description is Dash sales clerk. First of all, I was like, I almost offended. I was like, you think we don't know Malika? And then I realized this was season two, but also interesting because she all it wasn't like she just became friends it was she just became the sale you know friends with chloe because she was working at dash they had been childhood or longtime best friends right
1: they had you know, been, I, I right? Like, it wasn't like this is where their friendship started no they had been friends for a long time yeah that was interesting and also it was interesting that our first introduction to malika was in a scene with her and kim and not malika and chloe
0: yeah, I do also think I was trying. I was really thinking about this as I was watching this, episode, but it's not something to do right now because I don't have it in front of me. But I, I wish we could go back. Like this would be an interesting episode, a standalone one, to go back and talk about each of their friends, meaning Spencer and Maddie, Stoss, uh, I don't know, other other side people like the first introduction to the show and what it looked like then, how they were described, what the family interaction was. Like we did with Adrian last week. There's just something when an quote outsider comes in, I love trying to put myself back to what I thought the first time I saw it.
1: Right. Or like trying to figure out or trying to think like looking back, like, holy fuck, you don't even know what's about to happen. Like, I don't think that I physically, I don't think that I physically, emotionally, anything mentally could handle Jordan's first introduction into the show.
0: Oh my god! I didn't even think about that for a second. Oh my god! Yeah, wow. Like,
1: there are like introductions of Sofia Richie in the show as Kylie and Kendall's
0: friend. Wow, that that is wild. Oh my god! Like like when she, I think it was that was it. Oh my god, or Julie Julie when Kylie's whatever birthday she was and Taya was performing. Right. That's crazy to think about. Right.
1: And also they have, like, we have, obviously, I don't want to get into the Kanye thing now, but we have Kanye's first introduction to the show when he comes to Dash in New York.
0: And Kim's married to Chris yeah, I'll Humphrey never forget that. No, stop. I can't talk about that. I, yeah, too much. Okay. <laughs> so... Basically, they are trying to get this website up and she's like, you know, it was going to be Chloe's responsibility. I, she's like, I've been, it's been five months. She hasn't done anything. I, you know, I keep on saying, when will the website be up? And it's, she's like, it's, it's kind of embarrassing. And in her confessional, she's saying that she financially is taking care of it and that Chloe's job is to make sure everything is done, but that Chloe's really slacking. And Kim feels like they're missing out on a good opportunity to help the store. So she comes over you know, she calls Chloe and Courtney to come over and to talk about it. And the only reason I am mentioning this one scene, this one like three second scene, is because if you are on TikTok, you know that Courtney Kardashian's audios are the most famous of any Kardashians. And this is where the fucking audio came from when Chloe says, Do I look fat? And Courtney's like, Let me see. Just like twenty pounds overweight. That has become synonymous with Kardashian TikTok.
1: I love finding them in episodes. It literally, I'm not kidding. Aside from doing this podcast, like it is worth it to go back and watch all these episodes just to pinpoint where every Courtney sound comes from.
0: Is there a TikTok that outlines that? Because if not, we should make it. We should make
1: it. We should, okay. I, I'm I'm like going to be annoyed about saying it out loud on the episode, but what we should do is we should take the audio and just splice it with ev- the scene that it's set, in.
0: right, right. We should do that. Okay, oh my we'll God ask yeah. I don't know how to do that. We'll have Isabel do that. Yeah, obviously. Oh, wait Julie, are you are you saying that I'm not i've I've kind of been upping my ranks in the TikTok world personally, not that I post them, but I sent you a decent amount. Um yeah, I'm gonna have Isabel do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you don't think I'm good.
1: <laughs> it's nuts, sweetie. It's not that I don't think you're good. I think you're excellent at um, lip syncing. I think you're excellent at lip syncing. I think that you match those words the way your mouth moves like no one I've ever seen. Um, in terms of video editing and in terms of doing the work of finding the clips and then matching it up, I think it's just something that I personally would feel a little bit more comfortable with Isabel taking the lead on. But if you want to help her, I am. please be my guest. I'm. I'll tell her that you'll be her little assistant for the day.
0: No, you know what? I I proudly pass along that that role. Thank you. Okay. So um, moving on, Caitlin and Eric are in the car and Eric's like, where are you going? Caitlin's like, "You know, I'm just going to make one stop before we go on my way. And Caitlin says, she's like, I'm in no rush to do this whole style thing and go shopping. It's time to stall. So they pull into a spot that says uh, shopping for tour golf customers only. And Eric's like, what the fuck is going on? And Caitlin goes in to play golf and Erica's in the car alone, like this what the fuck is going on? So keep that in the back of your mind. Okay. Next scene, we're back at Dash. And Chloe and Courtney obviously walked over because Kim calls them and they walk in and Chloe goes, What's the emerge? <laughs> What's <laughs> the nine one one, hun? I can't, I can't Julie. I hope I like they still spoke like that. I know. I miss it in a way. Me too. And Kim's like, listen, you know, we were supposed to do this website six, seven months ago. It's really unprofessional. And Chloe's like, This is the final step. I've done everything else. And Kim's like, What do you mean? Are you saying that we have to figure out what inventory we want on the website to get pictures up? And Chloe's like, yeah, you want me to do that by myself? Kim, you fucking think this is so easy. And there's like a lot of other work. It's not that I have nothing to do all day, but a website. I have a ton of other things I want to, you know, other than just sit here all day. And Kim's like, like, what do you want to do? And Chloe's like, like acting, like hosting. I would love to be going to photo shoots all day long, getting glammed up like you. And Kim's like, so do it. No one's stopping you. Go do it. And Chloe's like, but who's going to watch the store? And Kim's like, I'll do it. Go. And Chloe's like, I would love to see you do it. And Kim says, good, I'll gladly do it. I've done eBay for years, which remind me to get to that point in one second. And in her confessional, Kim says, you know, if it's too hard of a job for her, I can do it. It's not that hard. And she says to, you know, she says to Chloe, I want you to go kind of pursue your dreams. I'll take over the store for a little and that's fine. I want to quickly go back to the eBay thing. Do you remember that, that part of Kim's life? I forgot about it until she had just said it there. Yes. Me too. You guys, Kim had an entire career selling clothing and items on eBay, and I something that I always sticks out to me when I go back and watching this is. One thing, you can you can say whatever you want about Kim. You can say she's not talented. she She's never not been hardworking. Even in times like this, when the entire plot line is centered around the fact that she's not working as hard at the store, it's one, because she's doing other things. But also, when you think back, like she was organizing closets. She was selling things on eBay. She always had an unparalleled work ethic, comparatively speaking to the rest of the family with the exception of Chris. And I don't even think that's something they would argue about.
1: No, I don't think so either. I think they all worked hard. I think Kim was just... um a different level because I think Kim had a very clear picture. You know, it's funny because we always talk about this where it's like Kim didn't know what she wanted to be. She just knew she wanted to be something. And I think that in her own mind, that was a very clear picture. And to the rest of the world, we weren't really sure what that looked like. Um, but I think that Kim was a hard worker in the sense that she knew she was working towards something. I think the others in the family were a hard worker, but wasn't weren't like 100% sure what they were actually working towards or what they wanted to be.
0: Yeah. No, completely, completely. Specifically Courtney. Right. That was, I mean, Courtney just found her niche like a year ago.
1: You know, they talk about it a lot about like growing up and Chris would wake them up at like seven in the morning, even on weekends, because she didn't like the idea of them sleeping in and not doing something and being productive.
0: Yeah. No, completely. That's why there's always, there is a difference between being wealthy and, and coming from you know, coming from clearly a background like that, but being lazy. Cause I don't think, you can say whatever you want about them. They're not lazy. They're privileged, absolutely. But they're not lazy. Right. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So next scene, you know, Eric's sitting alone in the car. Caitlin's literally inside practicing her golf swing and Eric's kind of had it. And, you know, he comes in and he's like, what the fuck is going on? And Caitlin's like, no, I'm I'm practicing my swing. We'll be done in 15 minutes. And like just the whole interaction here and the way that it was, the way that it was framed was just so just contributed to this like very kind of antiquated, antiquated mindset and narrative of like, here's Caitlin, the jock playing golf. And here's Eric, the gay guy wanting to go shopping as if like the, either of the two can't be mixed. And that was clearly what they were trying to paint. And Caitlin was trying to play it. And, and, uh, in her confessional, Caitlin says, Right now, there's a million other things I'd rather be doing. I'm uncomfortable and I don't want him to dress me. Like, you know, like how he might dress, put it that way. And they get to the store. Eric starts picking out some things, dress shirts, you know, trench coats, scarves. And Eric's like, look at this bag. It's so great. And Caitlin's like, a male purse, that's more you. And Eric's kind of picking out things. And Caitlin's like, you would wear that. Come on, you can't see me in that. Again, I don't know what was going through Caitlin's mind here. Although, based on the way that she spoke in more recent interviews saying how like, Wearing bags and wearing, you know, female clothing was always something she so badly wanted to do that maybe the overcompensation of like being disgusted by it was because of that. I don't know. But I felt almost, I felt almost sad in a way that I felt like she felt like she had to keep up this, uh, this persona of like, I don't give a shit about clothes. I don't give a shit about You know, I would never want to wear anything that's even a little bit feminine. Get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. And I wondered what was going through her mind. Again, I don't know, but I just wondered. Right, and especially with
1: the fact that mindset or possible mindset, then you know, resulted in the projection of putting that on to Eric, who is just somebody trying to help. And you know, here is Caitlin making all of these assumptions about the way that Eric would dress when you've known him for. 15 20 minutes and you're just assuming because it's something that you consider to be feminine that it's feminine that it's something that eric would want to wear and that's you know there's a difference between like having internalized and thinking a certain way and not wanting to do something for yourself but then projecting that onto somebody else and that's when you know that's when the issue arises
0: hmm Yeah. That's a, that's a really good way to put it. That's kind of what was, that's kind of what was happening. I mean, Eric, Eric handled it really well. And I'm curious as to the other clientele that he works with. And if this was something that was common for him, meaning the, you know, I don't, I guess he was actually a silos for both male and female, but if he's working with heterosexual couples where the wife is dragging the husband, I don't know if that was what was going on, but clearly that was the case. And I think that he handled it with just a lot of dignity even though he very easily and understandably could have been like, fuck this. A lot of patience. A lot of patience. And again, either way would have been fine. But I guess, I mean, it was also being filmed. I don't know. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off and limited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pink, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And okay, we all know, like I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples And I got originally from them, the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic nonstick pants. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. Next scene, they're at the house and Chloe kind of says like, she's like, listen guys, I can't go to dinner tonight. I am going to my acting classes. And Courtney's like, oh, and Chloe's like, you are you're coming. Which by the way, anytime I see Courtney being dragged to these type of things, I just laugh because it's so not her. Oh yeah. So not her. So they get there and it's the acting class with Bobby Chance. Obviously we were curious, we looked it up and apparently this studio, the Bobby Chance Hollywood Actor Showcase, it was started by Bobby. She's a former actress and apparently it started in 1990 and Celebrities like Brad Pitt, Jennifer Addison, Drew Barrymore, Anthony Hopkins have all come in over the years. And it's become, again, this is from her website, so take that with a grain of salt, but kind of like an actor hub, which, again, makes me happy that this this other plot line wasn't done by actors. Well, you know what I mean, by fake actors. <laughs> No, I
1: I always like when they do something, especially in the earlier seasons, and it's like they get a very legit person to do it because there are acting things and acting classes where it's not somebody who's like super famous or super well-known. Like anybody, you know, not anybody can run an actor's class, but there's there's a ton of them. There's a lot of them. And they, you know, obviously picked somebody and went to a class of somebody who was very well-respected. And I think that just adds to the plot line.
0: Totally. I also have to tell you so that, you know, they're in there and K- Courtney's kind of watching for moral support and Chloe's in this line and Bobby's telling them, okay, I want you to say the word hat, but with anger. I, it was the first time in this episode, I audibly laughed when there are these people around Chloe's screaming hat, like so mad. You would have thought that, you know, someone just killed their entire family. Meanwhile, Chloe is standing there screaming hat. I don't know what came over me. I just started hysterically
1: laughing. It was so funny. It was also like that situation is my worst nightmare. Yeah,
0: you get very stage fright with something like that. Yeah, it's my worst nightmare. Your worst nightmare is t- is talking about your feelings. That's maybe second. Sure. But you guys should know that Julie, every time we're going to do something, the minute before she's so stage fright and then she shakes for 30 seconds and then she fucking kills it. So I have so I, much confidence in you. I just want to-
1: I do think though that there is a really big difference between like having a conversation in front of people on a stage and then like having to perform in front of people. Like those are two very, very different things.
0: Very. Yeah. So just for the juxtaposition of what's going on, Chloe is angrily screaming hat in this acting class. And we flash back to Kim at dash and she's in her confessional. She's like, you know, what? I'm tired of waiting for Chloe to do this website. I'm just going to take matters into my own hands. It's my job and my responsibility to take all these pictures. I figure I can work a few hours and get it done once and for all. She's taking pictures of the mannequins on this 2008 camera. And it was just, Oh, those days, you know? Those days. That's exactly what Kardashian closet looks like now. (laughs) I totally forgot about Kardashian closet. That's the biggest unknown in the celebrity world. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. No, it really is. So anyway, you know, they're back in the acting class. And Chloe has to do this scene where she's fighting with this guy. And all of a sudden, they start making out. He very much, didn't didn't he give you Ryan Cabrera vibes? Yes. (laughs) Everything gives you Ryan Cabrera vibes, though. I feel like I've made the Ryan Cabrera reference three times on this podcast, and I haven't thought about him in 20 years, so I don't know how that keeps happening. There is no
1: way you haven't thought about him in 20 years. He was never, like, my person. I guess. I just feel like he comes up so often.
0: He comes but up listen, more it's often.
1: Not like he's Ryan I understand that he doesn't come up that often, but like he does come up a, like a decent amount that we make references.
0: Yeah, we just do that with such random things. Like if you bring up Carly Rose Sinclair so often. It's Son and Claire first of all, and second of all, that was <laughs> I think the
1: best reference Sorry. I ever made to like somebody that we completely forgot about was when we were talking about Ariana Grande's boyfriend, and I was like, he really looks a lot like David
0: Archuleta. <laughs> that was that threw me off guard and I didn't say it on the podcast because I think like my first response was like oh yeah you're so right I was googling it I forgot what he looked like and then once you realize you're like oh wow it really does because Isabel said it to me and she was like
1: I don't know where you pulled that out of but I've never heard something more accurate
0: yeah okay next scene we're back at shopping with Eric and Caitlin they go into this VIP kind of changing room and you can see Caitlin's starting to kind of get into it and she's starting to Appreciate the way that she's looking in these clothes, and I feel like Eric is feeling a real sense of accomplishment because he went from having this this client who was like dreading dreading this entire experience to kind of being into it, right? So they, you know, Eric's like, okay, you know what? To celebrate this, let's go for a drink, and and Kent's like, okay, you know, just a quick one because then I gotta get home. And Eric goes, I'll make sure it's quick. I'm good at cookies. Caitlin's okay, like, that's good to know, Eric. That's good to know. Just kind of playing into this whole, like, it was kind of like the odd couple vibes. Yeah.
1: Well, like it also, first of all, who taught you about the odd couple? I, I saw it on Broadway. <laughs> that's so funny. Second of all, it was very like, Caitlin's clearly like becoming more comfortable. Like it, it very much read like a, up here's the, the progression of Caitlyn, who was so uncomfortable in the beginning of the episode, being so comfortable and happy that, she, you know, she had this experience now. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so true. Quickly, we switch back to the acting class and Courtney comes up, she's doing a scene, and basically Bobby wants Courtney and Chloe to be yelling at each other. And Courtney, Chloe makes up some bullshit plot line about, like, you stole my leather jacket and Bobby's not believing it. So then Chloe takes on the narrative of, like, you're never at work, you don't come anymore. So she was basically putting Courtney in, pretending that Courtney was Kim. And you could see she was really getting into it, meaning she had a lot of suppressed anger towards Kim that unfortunately Kately- Courtney was taking the brunt of. But I don't know, Chloe was pissed or so she seemed.
1: Yeah. But I don't know, Chloe had a lot of fun there. I think she was like, Chloe has such a different stage presence than the rest of them because I think she is much more out there and much more comfortable like doing those things. Like, even though she was laughing in the beginning, like the fact that she was the one that like really wanted to even go in the first place. Like, it's not like she was forced into this. Like she knew what she was getting herself into. So I think she had no problem kind of taking over that role for a minute.
0: For sure. So we go back to Eric and Caitlin and they're at the Abbey, which is one of the most kind of notorious gay bars in West Hollywood. And Ken's like, you know, I've never been here before. And I was like, oh, it's one of my favorite places. Ken's looking around and she, it hits her that it's a gay bar. And in her confessional, she's like, in all the experience that I've been through in my life, I've never been in a gay bar. And the waiter comes over to them and Caitlin kind of introduces herself and the waiter recognizes her. And the waiter's like, can't stop the music and gives Caitlin a hug, which I, like as this was happening, I was like, what? And oh, in yeah, her confessional, yeah. Caitlin goes, I had no idea. I had, like, was completely unaware. And in her confessional, Caitlin goes, he's seen Can't Stop the Music, which is a movie I did years ago, a large gay following. I did it with the village people. Caitlin goes, yes, the star of Can't Stop the Music needs the corona. And she's kind of explaining to Eric because Eric has no idea what the fuck is going on. Like, if anything, you know, Eric would have thought that people would recognize Caitlin for being a world-renowned athlete. Meanwhile, there's some fucking movie, which I was like, what is happening right now? I know. I literally, (laughs) I, I can't believe we didn't know that. I know. And Eric's like, so Caitlin says, you know, Can't Stop the Music has become a cult movie. It's like the Rocky Horror Picture Show and Can't Stop the Music. They still show it in theaters. So of course, Julie and I looked this up. It was a 1980 American musical comedy film directed by Nancy Walker. And it's a pseudo biography of disco's village people that I'm reading the exact description, that bears only a vague resemblance to the actual story of the group's formation. The film was released after Disco's peak and was subsequently a box office flop, winning two of the first ever Razzle Awards for worst picture and worst screenplay. So here we are thinking we're about to see some like cinematic genius, and then we go on, it's like, worst movie ever. But at this gay bar, Caitlyn's a celebrity for starring in it.
1: As soon as they said it was about the village people, I knew
0: that it probably wasn't going to be like Oscar-worthy film. Yeah, I mean, the the waiter at the Abbey is making me think that you know, like, yes, obviously, I realize it's not Oscar-worthy, but for a second, I thought it was. I was like, does Caelan have an Oscar we don't know about? Could (laughs) you imagine? Honestly, Julie, you never fucking know at this point. You never know. So, So right, it's true. They're back at the house. Caitlin gets home in her new outfit and they're all there. And Chris is just swooning. Chris like, honey, meet me in the bedroom. Chloe's like, you really look like George Clooney. Caitlin's like, you know, I actually think that with the jacket, is more Matt Damon. And in the confessional, Chris is just obsessed. And so you can see she wants to just go to bed immediately. And Caitlin's like, you know, we went to something to eat and we went to this place, the Abbey. Do you know the Abbey? And Chloe's like, yeah, it's a gay bar. And Caitlin's like, yeah, it's kind of a gay bar. And Chloe's like, kind of. And in her confessional, Courtney's saying that they're all in shock and that they think that the new outfit really gave Caitlyn this new outlook on life.
1: I mean, listen, Caitlyn came home with this new confidence after a little styling and wardrobe. It was nice to see. Yeah.
0: We're going to obviously in the, go to the last scene in a second, but I just want to go back to some of those quotes that you put in just to read them now because I feel like it's a good time when we yeah, were talking about, you know, just Caitlyn's journey with fashion because it's very uh, appropriate. So- Caitlin spoke about dressing like a woman for the first time. And she said, quote, We're talking eight, nine years old, taking my mom's clothes or my sister's clothes. I had an older sister and walking around in sleepy hollow garden apartments in Tarrytown, New York, scared to death that somebody was going to catch me. I didn't have wigs or anything like that. So I put a scarf over my head. There was just always a drive for me to be by myself. And I only got those opportunities once in a great while. At that time, we're talking in the late 50s, early 60s. There wasn't even a word for being transgender. There was no information out there. I didn't know why I felt this way. And it was honestly a long time after that, that I finally got tired, that I finally tried to figure out who I was. And then also on whether it was thrilling to dress as a woman and why she wanted to do it. She said, quote, it was, and I struggled with that a lot. And I thought about that a lot. Why do I have this desire to be myself, to go on, and in some cases, obviously out in public? Is it because of the excitement of it all? Getting away with something? Maybe I'm just a cross-dresser. Maybe is this a sexual high that you get? I really didn't. I didn't know. And it took years and years to kind of figure out myself, to figure out, you know what? This really is me. And in a simple way, there was always this woman that lived inside of me. But I lived my life as Bruce. But she was always there. She was always present. I just finally got to the point in life where it's time for her to live. She's been stuck inside, stinking around, lying, just doing all this stuff. Maybe now, and for my case, it was the age of 65, it's time to let her live and to see what she can do with her life. Every time I read that I remember how powerful it is.
1: Yeah. That, and I think that's the thing that we have to remember when we're like looking at this episode and looking at Caitlyn is like everyone's journey is so unique to them and as much as like we hypothesize about what Caitlyn could have felt or thought like the only person who really knows is Caitlyn and the only person who can talk about what it felt like to have to dress, you know, a certain way or to feel like they have to she has to dress a certain way or to feel like you know, she couldn't be herself. Like, Caitlin is really the only person who knows and is also the only person who has that unique experience. Not that she's the only one that had to totally. do that, just that she's the only one who had to live her own life her certain way.
0: Absolutely. And there's so many elements of her just journey that are so, like, the part about being in the public eye, the part about being in a family, at least in an immediate family, that was so female-dominated. That was, you know what I mean? So, like, there was the desire to assert masculinity while also inherently internally feeling this very feminine sense. Like there was just a lot of different things going on that I think being able to kind of watch that develop, even when we didn't know what was happening, looking back is just, is just interesting to see. And like, I always feel take what you want about t- say what you want about her. I'm not, I'm by no means the biggest fan. I think a lot of her beliefs and, and stances are not something that I agree with. I don't, I don't necessarily like the way that she treated Chris and and some of the kids, but there's a profound level of strength that comes from being able to be authentically you and understanding that the world is going to talk, but you have to do it because it works for you. And to do it at 65 specifically, I think is really, really commendable.
1: Yeah, I agree. And a huge piece of Caitlin's transition also is that I think that for a lot of people who... maybe didn't necessarily understand, you know, trans women or, you know, being trans or on the other side understood it, but only understood it to a certain extent or the way they had seen it portrayed in popular media thus far. Like I think that Caitlin's transition represented a huge area of trans people that was kind of maybe left out of the conversation in the sense that like, you know, Caitlin was an Olympian. Caitlin lived her life, not just like as somebody who was, you know, hiding who they were, but as somebody who was outwardly somebody that we considered to be like very masculine, very in the sports world, very, you know, all of these things. So that when Kaylin came out as trans, it was kind of like, we all had to take a second and be like, there are so many different meanings to being trans and so many different ways that it presents itself. And we kind of had to re you know, think about the way that we think about trans people. And I think Caitlin played a really huge role in all, like adjusting our understanding about something that we maybe didn't know enough about or maybe thought we knew enough about and didn't. And I think that that was a huge piece of all of this.
0: Yeah, but completely, completely, completely. Both both understanding or trying to understand or getting a better understanding of, of trans people, but also understanding our own biases as it applies to this like, what being quote masculine looks like, what being feminine looks like, and not, you know, just, just, I think all of us being a little bit more accepting, even if we thought that we were just opening our minds, I guess, which you are never, you will never fail when you open your mind. I feel that way. I really, really do. Nothing Mm -hmm. bad is going, nothing bad comes from being more open-minded. Yeah, I, of course. Yeah. So last scene, they're back at Dash you know, Courtney and Chloe come in, there's mannequins everywhere. Kim had a really rough night. At first, I think someone literally broke in because of the way that Kim left it. And in a very full house ending, Kim basically says, listen, you are absolutely right. This is a lot more work. We'll do the website together. I'm going to be more present. I completely understand your frustration. And in her confessional, she says, Chloe totally inspires me. I'm really proud of her because I wish I could do that. I wish I had it in me. I wish I could be like her, which the irony of all this is that Chloe is doing this stuff in an effort not to be like Kim, but to pursue um, a, the spotlight that Kim is getting. Meanwhile, Kim is in such admiration of Chloe's willingness to go outside of her comfort zone, which, as you just said, she just has a sage presence that I don't think isn't as, is as consistent with the rest of them. But I do like that there's this mutual admiration there.
1: I do too. I thought it was very sweet. And I, I think it's always sweet when they you know kind of express – not just the things they like about each other, but like the things that they want to be more like that the other person exhibits. I always think that's really sweet. So I
0: completely agree. I really like it. They do it a lot on their birthdays, which I appreciate. <laughs> I love a Kardashian birthday. <laughs> it's true. I mean, that's the biggest compliment you can give to someone. Like, I, yeah. not only do I like this so much about you, but I like it so much that I want to personally emulate it in my own life. Yes, so, I totally. so agree. Okay. We love you guys more than anything. Thanks for sticking with us. If you're still here, I get it. Not the best episode, but you know what? We tried to make the best of it and we will see you on Monday for our regular episode next Thursday for our Kardashian bonus show. Anything else you want to mention, Julie? No, I think that, uh, I think we ended up doing okay here. (laughs) I was going to say, like, I was about to say like, Anne, if you feel so inclined, we're so appreciative of leaving a nice review But then I was like, don't you know like, maybe, like, maybe, so maybe like, listen to
1: you and see how you feel like give it a yeah. week off you're like if this is your first time reviewing you're like oh i want to review for this one maybe listen to another episode and then decide to review
0: <laughs> right right maybe listen to monday's episode you'll feel a little bit more invigorated i don't know so no pressure but we really really do appreciate it i say this all the time i have a fantasy of like i know the number of downloads we get and i know the number of reviews and the the disparity is just insane um so I pray for it, but not for, not for this one. And for everybody who's emailed us, who's DM'd us your kind words, they're unbelievably appreciated and they don't go unnoticed. And I just love every single one of you. Thanks for letting us do this. And we will see you on Monday. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically, when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes, there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it.